Hey everyone, we are here and I thank you for joining me today. Oh yeah. Newark Radio. The Hope Club Podcast. Tell me if you agree with this. Every once in a while, an extraordinary person comes on the scene. And by extraordinary, what do I mean? I mean a person that comes into your life and and makes a difference. Maybe a, a teacher or a coach. Could be a relative, maybe a parent. Could be a co-worker, could be a boss, a friend. Someone that comes into your life and they are just that important person. We're in a series entitled, Let's Meet Jesus. Kind of like meeting Jesus again for the very first time. And today, Jesus is going to meet an extraordinary person. John the Baptist. And not that John is more extraordinary than Jesus, because he's not. But the fact that he is an extraordinary individual. We know that. And we're going to see that today. John was unique in uh, many ways. He wore unique clothing, because he was a prophet, kind (laughs) of dressed like a prophet. He uh, ate strange but simple food. Locusts and honey, the Bible tells us. He had a wonderful job. He was the herald of the Messiah. It was his job to introduce Jesus to the world. And you know what else? Something about John. He was filled with the Spirit while he was in his mother's womb. Think about that. He wasn't even born yet, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, A question arises. Since John was filled with the Spirit in the womb, did he have to be saved? That's a good question. Let's find out, okay? I got a few things to say about that. Number one, John was filled with the Spirit, but he wasn't sealed with the Spirit, okay? The sealing of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1.13 secures one's salvation and that really took effect in the church age john is still living in the age of the old testament the gospels are the old testament basically dispensation because they still had animal sacrifices when we get to the church age it's a different age a different dispensation where we have the indwelling of the holy spirit it seals us for salvation number two John is not exempt from Romans 3.23, which says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right? All people with a human mother and human father have sinned. Number three, believing has always been the basis of salvation. Now, you can't believe when you're in the womb. You can only believe after you're born. That's why Jesus said, you must be born, oh, again. So believing has always been the basis of salvation. John 3.36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. So there's believing. Then number four, what Jesus said in John 3.3 to Nicodemus, truly I say to you, and this is what I just said, unless one is born 
Again, see, you're born the first time when you come out of the womb. You're born a second time when you go into the kingdom of God. Out of one into another. <laughs> That's a good way to understand it, I think. I'm born out and I'm born into. Out and in. Right? So I'm born again into God's kingdom. And again, what's the basis? Believing. And then fifthly, Luke 16, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. John was the last prophet, you know that? After him, that's it, no more. So in the Old Testament, the filling was temporary. Another word for the Old Testament filling of the Spirit is the endowment of the Spirit. And the Spirit kind of came upon people, though John was filled, the Bible says, okay. But it was for an act of service. A prophet, a craftsman that worked on the tabernacle would be filled with the Spirit. The judges could be, I mean, endued with the Spirit. Okay? So, I don't know. Here's my conclusion. John was a member of Adam's fallen race. He had a human father and a human mother. He possessed a sin nature. And that required being saved. Okay? So, though he was an extraordinary man, though he was filled in the womb, he still had to be born into the kingdom of God. All right? Well, that settles that. Now, let's meet the extraordinary man, John the Baptist. When John chapter 1, verse 19, people came to John, because John was, he was causing quite a stir. You know what I like about John? <clears throat> he didn't go looking for the crowds. The crowds came looking for him. He was out in the wilderness and people came to hear him preach. And they liked what he said. And they came. Some came to him and said, Who are you? And what an answer. He, you know what he answered? Who he was not. He said, Well, I'm not the Christ. If you're looking for the Christ, it's not me. And in those days, there was a real air of apprehension. People knew God was coming. They knew it. And look, it's, it's coming close. We know that the Messiah will be arriving one day. So that's why John said, well, listen, I'm not the Christ. So there's two things going on here. Number one, the Jews were expecting the Messiah. And number two, John took nothing that didn't belong to him. Oh, think about that. He took nothing that didn't belong to him. You know why? Because he knew his role. John knew his role in life, and he stuck to it. He stuck to it. I like what one man said. His name is Adam Clark. He said, He who makes use of God's gifts to feed and strengthen his pride is sure to be stripped of the goods in which he trusts, and fall into the snare of the devil. The snare of the devil is pride. That's what got him in trouble. Pride. So what is Adam Clark saying? If you take what God has given you, and you use it to bring glory to yourself, you're going to fall into the sin of pride. And that's a dangerous place to be. You know why? Pride comes before the fall, right? So don't use what God has given you to bring glory to you. 
What God has given you is for the sake of his kingdom. So they asked him if he was any of the prophets. And he said, no, I'm not Moses. I'm not Elijah. I'm not Jeremiah. I'm not Zechariah. I'm not any of those people. I'm me. He said, you want to know who I am? He didn't even give his name. He gave his calling because he understood, oh, his calling is his name. Did you know that? That your calling is really who you are. And he said, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's who I am. I'm a voice. And I have something to say. And here's what he said. This was John's message. Make straight the way of the Lord. In other words, yeah, you're right. He's coming. And I'm here to get you to pave the way. Make straight the way of the Lord. As Isaiah the prophet had said. See, Isaiah prophesied that someone like John would come on the scene and that would be his message. And he did. And then John answered them and he said, I baptize you in water. Remember, John had a a baptism of repentance. He said, I baptize you in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. Oh, look at that phrase, among you. You know what that means? It's right here. There's one right here. You don't even know him. You haven't even recognized him. And he's here. Oh, you know, for many people, Jesus is so close. And they still don't see him. He's so close. He's right there. And they don't see him. Look, your non-Christian friends, Jesus is in you. And when you're with them, oh, he's so close. And they don't see it. Christ is here. And then John said, It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I'm not even worthy to untie. That's the work of a servant, right? A servant would loosen the sandal, wash the feet, put the sandal back on. John says, I'm not even worthy to be his servant. I'm even lower than that. You you don't get lower than a servant. And John said, I'm even lower than that. So here's what makes John so extraordinary. He knows his role in life. He knows who he is. He knows his calling. And he knows what he came to do. And he didn't usurp something that God didn't give him. Now, wouldn't it be good if everybody was like that? Wouldn't it be great if everybody knew their role and knew their calling and we didn't usurp what God didn't give to us? Wow. What a world that would be. Like the song says, what a wonderful world it would be. Now, okay, here comes Jesus. Oh yeah, here he comes. The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him. And he said, behold. You know what behold means, right? Look at that. Pay attention. Oh, behold. It's the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. See, John called Jesus the Lamb of God. John understood the one true sacrifice 
for the sins of the world. He knew, he grew up in a world where they sacrificed animals for the atonement of sins. But he understood, wait a minute, one's coming. Oh yeah, he's going to be the once and for all sacrifice for the sin of mankind. And there he is right there. I see him with my very own eyes. And if you look, you'll see him too. See, all the Jews understood the sacrificial lamb that they observed at Passover, but they failed to connect it to Jesus. That's why John said, no, there's the real lamb of God. But they didn't get it. You know, sometimes you can put things right in front of people. They still don't get it, right? You know that. So John understood that Jesus, he was not only the one who would atone for our sins, but he was also, or here it comes, divine. John knew that Jesus was divine. Hey, don't forget, they were cousins. You know, relatives can become familiar. Oh, but John, no, he wasn't familiar with Jesus. And John said in verse 30 of John 1, This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Now, what is this higher rank? Literally, the phrase means in front of. That this man is in front of me. Okay? He has preeminence over me. And he existed before me. That's deity. Now, remember, John was born six months before Jesus. Yet, John is saying Jesus existed before him. How is it that John identified his cousin, Jesus, as the Lamb of God, the one who would take away the sin of the world? How did he know that? You know, they grew up, probably saw each other quite a bit growing up. Not sure where John lived. I know Jesus grew up in Nazareth. Well, in verse 32, it says that John testified, saying, I've seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained on him. Now, that's how John knew that Jesus was the Lamb of God. But honestly, is this grounds for making Jesus the Messiah? Because he saw a bird come down and kind of like light on him. He said, I've seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven. Let me give you a lesson on doves and pigeons. I know you can't wait for this. Did you know that doves and pigeons are in the same family? But there is a difference. The difference is their size and head shape. That's the difference. And when someone is kind to pigeons, the birds take to them. So here comes Jesus. And this dove comes out of the sky and lands on him. And John says, look at that. Behold, the Lamb of God. How did John make this recognition? How did he do that? What do you think? How did he make that connection? He had already met with God. That's how. And they discussed it.
John said in verse 33. He said, I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water, he said this to me. So he's talking about his conversation with God. And you know what God said? He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Wow. John had a conversation with God. And God told him. God said, John, when you when the one comes on the scene and you see the Spirit come down in the form of a dove, that's the one. That's the Messiah. That's the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. So you know what that teaches us? How important it is to hear from God. And how do you hear from God? It takes spending time with Him as John did. So can you see, that's really important even in our own Christian life to have an audience with God. Every time you sit quietly with His Word, you're having an audience with God. And He's revealing things to you. And when John had an audience with God, God revealed things to him. And that's how he recognized Jesus as the Lamb of God. His job was to herald the Messiah, and by listening to God and remembering what God said, that's the key, remembering, he accomplished his mission. Oh, now I know. Here it comes. A lot of people came down to be baptized, only one had the Spirit come down in the form of a dove and rest on him. And that was the Messiah himself. So I want you to think, the wonderful things God can reveal to you when you sit and spend time with him. Look at what it did for John. Imagine what it can do for you. And then the end result, John said in verse 34, I myself have seen and have testified. This is the Son of God. That's how he knew. He knew so much about Jesus. He's preeminent. He was divine. Came to atone for the sins of the world. Wow. You know, the last few years we had a saying going around America. But it's the saying, the saying, I mean, it's really not that new. And you know what the saying is? If you see something, say something. Right? And that was prompted by domestic terrorism. Right? If you see something, say something. Well, I believe that is actually original with John. He saw something. <laughs> and he said something. He said, I see the Lamb of God. And he said it. Behold, here he is, everybody. Look, there he is. The one who takes away the sin of the world. John said, I myself have seen him. And now I'm testifying that this is the Son of God. And you know what's interesting? When he said, I have seen him, it's the Greek word harao, 
Hara'o is where, where we get our word horizon. And what is a horizon? It's like long and wide, isn't it? Get on the beach and you look and the horizon from left to right, as far as you can see. And it signifies that John took a long look. A lot of people take a glimpse. Oh yeah, Jesus, okay, yeah, whatever. No, John took a long look, focused. He looked and he studied and he watched and he said, yes, this is the one. That's what people have to do to really recognize Christ. You got to take that long look. And then when he knew what he saw, he testified. Testified. It's the word matereo. It's where we get the word martyr. It means to be a witness. You know, what does a martyr do? He gives his life for what he believes. She gives her life for what she believes. That's a martyr, right? John gave his life to what he believed. And eventually, he gave his life for what he believed. Isn't that what true believing is? Let's think about that. Let's take a hara'o, a long look at that. When you truly do believe, you give your life to what you believe, and then you give your life for what you believe. That's a true witness. That's a true martyr. And you know what that goes against? That goes against convenient Christianity, which seems to be sweeping the nation these days. Convenient Christianity. If it's convenient, I'm in. But if it's not convenient, I'm not in. I'm out. I'm not in. And Because the, the message of Christ is not being preached. And you know what the message of Christ is? Pick up your cross. Deny yourself. Die daily. Go the extra mile. We don't hear those things. When's the last time you heard those messages on Christian TV? Christian radio, maybe? Christian radio has more meat than Christian TV, thankfully. How about even in your own church? I don't know. But that's Jesus' message. His message is not convenient. His message is, if you want to follow me, that's beautiful. Are you willing to die? Follow me and die to yourself. That's the message. Be a witness. All the apostles were martyrs. They all died for their faith. They, they, they died believing. They sacrificed themselves believing. I don't know. It, it, isn't that what true believing is? To give your life to something and to give your life for something? To me, that's real believing. It's, it's not just head knowledge. It's not just information. We don't need walking book reports today. We need people that are serious about Jesus. That's what we need. Where he is the number one person in their life. And we, we, when we really do believe the gospel, this is what happens. You give your life to it, and you give your life for it. That's what happens. 
You find yourself living for something that, ooh, you never did before. You know, before salvation, you kind of live for yourself, right? Yeah, we all did. I did. We all did. And then we get saved and we're born into the kingdom of God. And there's a change that takes place. Oh, I have a new focus. Wow, I've been set free from living for myself. And now I'm living for something higher, something greater, something more wonderful, something more rewarding. How about this? More fulfilling. And it is. And you know, when you discover the fulfilling life, you know what that does? Oh, yeah. It breaks the bondages. It breaks those bondages of all those things that hold us down, those compulsive behaviors, those bad habits. All those things get broken. Because you know why we do those things? Because we're unfulfilled. And when you find Christ and you start living for that cause, you become fulfilled. And the old ways, they fall away. They just fall away. And you wake up one day and you say, hey, I don't do those things anymore. What happened? You didn't even try to give them up. It just, they fell away. Because you had a new fullness, a new fulfillment. So this is how you break those old bondages and those old habits. You give your life to a greater cause. You give your life to the cause of Christ. And that makes all the difference in the world. It'll make you happy too. Oh yeah, want to be happier? Live for the right thing. Hey, next time we're together, Jesus is going to meet his disciples. Oh, yeah. First it was John. Now it's the disciples. What's that all about? What are they going to do? <laughs> we're going to see you that next time. Hope you join me. Don't forget the whole club podcast. Check it out on demand. HopeCC.tv. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. Ah, wherever podcasts are found. We're there. Just look for the Hope Club Podcast. Okay? That's all you have to do. Thank you for coming along today. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.